Is it okay to fail? And what if your graduate doesn't have it all figured out yet? Is that okay? All right, guys, welcome to the Out of Control podcast here with me, Matthew, and me, Molly. (laughs) We're here because we recognize in life it's easy to get caught up in trying to control what is out there. And we think that maybe the answer isn't in trying to control it all, but rather to live out of control. For sure. So today we have a special guest that we're going to bring on to talk about the a spot where I think we feel a lot, a lot of us feel very out of control, Yeah, which is agree. a stage when your kids are moving on. And so we're super excited to have this conversation with you. So yes, Amy, Amy, I love Amy. We actually met when we both still traveled full time. She is an amazing mother of four. She is an entrepreneur. Um, my amazing hair, I owe it to Amy for that. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I do. So if you want amazing hair, you <laughs> you should listen to her. Yes. Um, we have to add that to your fun fact portion. And I have stuff. gone to her quite a few times with mothering questions because three of her children are adult men and I have three boys and <laughs> yeah, it's not always easy. Yeah. It's- so... Welcome to the podcast, Amy Earl. Thank you. I'm just excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited as our first guest. Um, we, although you are Molly's friend and she met you first, I will claim you as my friend too. We've had uh, some good double dates with you and your husband, and uh, absolutely, just, absolutely. We li- we wish you guys lived up here in Utah. Yeah, love your we daughter. Too. Yes, we love all your family. Have you, we've had your boys stay here at our house? We've had yes, yeah, so it's fun. So we have some really cool connections with uh, your family and. It is nice to have someone who's a step ahead of where we're at with our boys who are 16, 15, and 11. And your boys are, how, how, your family, what are the ages? Uh, they are 26, 21, and 19. Yep. And then I have a 12-year-old daughter. Yes. So so we love leaning into people that have maybe have a similar perspective in what they value, but are a few steps ahead. So that's kind of what today's about. We've had some podcasts where we talked about what we think is important for raising young kids. And we don't actually know if that's going to work out because we haven't seen the results of our young no. kids yet. <laughs> <laughs> They're not adults yet. But we're feeling pretty good about it. So, uh, so today we want to discuss with Amy um, what, what are the keys to really having healthy relationships and empowering these young adults in your life that you're still sort of raising, but maybe from a distance? So that's, that's the conversation today. Yeah. So, but before we move on, we got to do our fun facts. Okay. Molly's committed to fun facts. So what, what, what's your fun fact today, babe? I'm going first. Yeah. You get to go first. Okay. My fun fact is my favorite watch is a Garmin watch and I just got a new one for my birthday and it tracks so much data and I, I love it. I tell everybody every day, like what time the sun's going to set and it has a compass on it and it tracks where my body battery is. So yes, she has two things she loves in life, her new couch, her Costco couch and her <laughs> Garmin. Garmin watch. And every day she looks at me and says, you know how much I love my and the Garmin watch was not actually that much less than the couch. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> So that's my fun fact. We are going to go to Amy's fun fact in a minute, but we want to give her a second to make sure she's got that. But my fun fact is that I am trying to talk Molly into letting me buy a slingshot. <laughs> so not, not only buy a slingshot, 
What did you do till 3.30 in the morning okay. last night? So I built a whole business around owning a slingshot. Now, you may not know what a slingshot is. I'm not talking about rubber bands and sticks, okay? <laughs> talking about the three-wheeled, super cool vehicles. Um, and I've got, the, I've got it all figured out how I could buy it and I could rent it out on the weekends and it would give us another vehicle uh, to have around to between the three drivers we now have and another driver coming soon. But it'd be fun, and um, and I could make money doing it. So I built uh, the website and everything last night till three o'clock in the morning because I'm a little bit insane sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we'll see how that goes. If it actually turns into anything, um, I couldn't find a slingshot today. I found two, but they're not automatic, and I think I need an automatic one. So, all right. So that's my fun fact. Uh, Amy, what is your fun fact? My fun fact. So my husband is a pilot in the military. And maybe less of a fun fact, but more of um, kind of maybe a unique thing. He served in Afghanistan or he was flying over in Afghanistan for an extended amount of time flying combat. And one of the times when he was overseas, my son, Sam and I were FaceTiming him and we were having a conversation with him over FaceTime when his um, base got like rockets sent in. And we were FaceTiming when the alarm started going off and the shrapnel started flying and he had to duck and cover. And his last words to, well, he survived his last words on that conversation to me were, um, <laughs> I have to go. I will call you back and, up and left us sitting there for a minute thinking what's happening. So yeah, that's my little fun fact, little piece of my life right there. Wow. That's some good that's, reality yeah. of being a, a military wife. Um, Wow. We appreciate it. And your, your husband's amazing. He's a, he is a, I love that he had, like, you can see the military in him, but you all like, I don't, I don't want to say military. You don't have emotional intelligence. They, they do, but there, there's a, there's a warmth to him that a lot of military people lose. That's really interesting. I don't, well, that's interesting that, that how, what do you think it is about him? That's had him keep that aspect of his life. Is yeah, it you? I is think it you? if you were just him, it, <laughs> I will take all the <laughs> I think if you were to meet him, you would be surprised to find out that he is in the military and has been for 23 years and that that's what he does. Um, yeah, I think it's his connection to people. I think he's so empathetic and service oriented personally, like he makes such good um, connections. And like, I think sometimes we see this really intense personality that goes into the military, mm -hmm. especially um, in combat in aviation and he has really i think you described it well a warm side a connecting side that is is unusual yeah it's I, I don't i can't think of very many other military people that i know that that sort of have that balance so so uh well done so it's cool um so <laughs> with this uh uh this conversation so where do you want to start babe you got something that you want to start with so I think you've modeled this really well and done a good job um, at this particular thing in motherhood is that I think sometimes we raise our kids and we think that, oh, they're in the same home and we raise them relatively the same way that they're, you know, it's like one size fits all. And we know that's not the case, but I feel like you've done a really good job at like getting to know your boys on like a really intimate level. And I think that affects how you parent each one and how you show up for them and how you support them. So, um, 
I want you to tell me, just oh, tell our audience a little bit about each of your boys, because I think that will help segue into how you've mothered each of them and help them help support them in what they've chosen to pursue. Okay. I love that so much. So, and that really is kind of what you just described is the crux of like we've homeschooled for 16, 17 years. So since our oldest was um, 11 years old, we've homeschooled. And at first trying to um, like just apply the cookie cutter, like, okay, let's just put them through the conveyor belt of education. And what I realized very soon, like shortly after we started homeschooling was that each of them were so different. And that was the gift of being able to be involved with their education was finding out who they are. And, and we have, I have tools that I use regularly to help me kind of connect to them and see them. And um, so our oldest Jacob is 26. He's married um, now five years, just had his fifth anniversary, two babies that are two and one. And Jacob is, uh, I would, I would say a typical first child in that he follows rules. He's, he's very organized. Um, he likes criticism is not, uh, we have to be very careful when we're talking to him about things that he could do better in the way that we approach that. He had the most schooling that um, any of our kids had. So he was in public school until um, really fourth grade is about when he came home. Um, and so he's, he's had the most school. He is a college graduate. So he has graduated from college. And so he he followed maybe the structure of kind of a typical, even though he homeschooled, he still, he got a high school diploma. He went to college, got a job, married, having kids. He worked at Amazon um, for a year in their HR. And so he has kind of a more um, familiar road mm -hmm. and um, he's, he's actually getting ready to really deviate from that, which is for me as a, as a mother, I'm excited to see him take some risks, um, and try some different things. Our next son is Joshua and he's 21 and he came home from school in first grade. So he didn't spend much time in school. It's about like Tyler. Josh. Yeah. yeah. And Josh hat took more classes. So Jacob did like an online high school, um, used mentors and that kind of stuff. That's where he got his um, diploma. Joshua took classes there, but didn't get a diploma. Okay. Um, he has gone to college. So he was, he did a year at Brigham Young university. And so he's spent a year there, but has since now he's decided that college really isn't his thing. That's not what he's going to do. So he's pursuing some life dreams right now. And then we have Samuel, who's 19, and he has been um, the least moldable, if I can use that word, um, <laughs> the least compliant of my children. Um, and we, he and I had a real struggle through our relationship. Um, and it has only been in the last two years. So when he was kind of coming into 17, that some really big things happened for both of us um, in understanding each other. He's now one of my best friends and we have an amazing relationship and it's, 
worth everything that we went through to get here. Um, but he is, he likes stability and structure. He likes to be prepared and know what's happening. And I, our family's moved 36 times. We're always going on adventures. I'm always pulling the rug out from under him. And that caused a lot of tension unbeknownst to us. We didn't understand what was happening, what, that that's what the cause of it was. But, um, so he, but he also is very independent. So he has taken some classes, but not as many of his brothers. He's, um, he self-educates. So he's brilliant. He has a brilliant mind, science, engineering. Um, so he has gotten his education completely outside of, um, parameter, like other normal structures. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, um, he too is now, so the three boys are together this summer on just doing some incredible things. They're all doing summer sales together this summer. And yeah, it's, it, I am thrilled about it. I, it's so incredible for me to see them together, working together, setting goals, um, and really leveling up into their potential and possibility. Awesome. Well, I don't want you to leave out. So I want, I want to give you a chance to tell about, is it Betsy? Am I saying it right? Betsy. Okay. That my, my favorite. So, so Betsy came to our family through adoption after the boys. Um, she's this beautiful addition and is, she has kept, she, she keeps our family together. Like she really is this, um, this last child that it almost feels she has four parents between Jake, I, Jacob and Josh. And then she has a very strong sibling rivalry with Sam. And so like, she's got a little bit the best of everything. She has autism. And so she has some, we call them quirks. It's her superpower. We've really taught her to see the, the skills that she has and the strengths that she has because of this, she gets very focused and, um, she, we've recently made some really big breakthroughs with Betsy. She's an incredible writer. She loves to write. And the beautiful thing about Betsy is that she writes her emotions through her stories. So she has trouble communicating emotion to us. So she has trouble saying nice things. She has trouble, um, showing affection, but she shows it beautifully in her stories. So she writes stories about Um, she has this combo character of a big brother and a little brother, and she writes these interactions about, and there's so much love and connection. And we see her writing stories from her daily life and how she sees it. And so she has, um, she is independent and incredible and definitely on her own while she's been diagnosed with autism we, and she knows we've really just allowed her to, she has just kind of an organic space to become the best Betsy. That's our goal for her is not to kind of label her or put her into her box or tell her what she can or cannot do. We're just, um, this is new for us and we are allowing her to step into the best Betsy. I love that. That's really cool. I love Betsy. She's my bud. I, I've always, I've always have fun when we get together and get to talk to her. She's brilliant. So, and I love this idea. What a, what a powerful tool for someone who, 
uh, maybe has an autistic or Asperger's child to, to try uh, using writing as a, as a resource to help them to express some of those things in a way that they may not be able to verbally. So that's cool. Was that something someone shared with you or did you just kind of discover that randomly with her? No, we, we just discovered it. We um, introduced her to reading first is like, she's uh, started reading and then um, we invited her. So part of how we do school is there's, we structure the time. So this time is school time, but they get to do whatever they want within that time. So, um, within the parameters that we set, obviously, but so she started in that time writing just little sentences. Um, and we noticed like, she couldn't communicate. She couldn't say, I love you like that. Never, that couldn't come through her vocal cords. It couldn't come out of her mouth, but, um, when she could write it, we would find it in little papers and she just kind of, it, it grew from there and it just became something that she loved to do. And so we've just encouraged it. Ah, oh, that's oh, awesome. I love that. That's great. Okay. But, so I have a, I have another question. Okay. Can I cut you off? First? Yeah. Okay. Cause I just want to hit, there was one little comment and I just wanted to hear your feedback. You said that you and your son had become best friends. And I think there's this connotation out there, this idea that, it's not your job. You know, there's some people that believe that it's not your job to be your child's friend or you shouldn't be your child's friend. And I just wanted to hear your feedback on, on how you would respond to someone who maybe would believe that. That's really cool that you asked that question. My, my daughter-in-law, Sandy, is living with us right now. They moved down here to go to Jacob was going to go to flight school this summer. And he's taken this detour and is doing summer sales. So for the last month, his wife and babies have been staying with us. And we were talking about this exact principle about what is the role of a parent? What is the role of a child? What is the role of a grandparent? And where do all these fit? And as we were talking about it, first, we started with my role as the grandparent to these babies is not to parent them. Like my goal is to show up and just love them, make sure that they know how much I love them. And Sandy's a incredible parent and she's so good with them and it, that's her role and it's my role to support whatever that parenting structure looks like and she parents different than I parented but she like she has stewardship over those children and so she knows what they need and I trust her in that and then I get to just love them so that's the first and then the second we were talking about the parenting and it was interesting because when children are young they need a parent they need a, a parent who gives them boundaries, who sets up structure to make them feel safe. Young children need parameters. They need to feel safe. That's so important. And if, if the parent is only a friend who doesn't help them set boundaries, who doesn't give them places and, and allow a space where they can say, okay, these are my limits. Um, and learn those limits and have it be a safe space to do so, I think you probably would have struggles. So that's really important in those younger years, but there's a transition that comes that is really important. And um, in for my boys, this transition came around um, kind of as, as they move through puberty, as they're coming into those early teen years, when the they need more. So they're, they need an outside mentor. 
They need somebody that they can respect, who can give them feedback, who can say things to them that their parent cannot. Um, if you're trying to be the mentor and the parent, that you're going to have this clash. And so that's where you're. And so if they have a mentor, there's somebody there that is saying, hey, this is appropriate. This is not. Have you thought about this? So having somebody that you trust as a parent, that they trust as a, as a youth, that really helps that um, those years to be a lot more comfortable between that. Um, but then they reach. And so, so the structure, the boundaries I feel is really important as a young child. And then as they move into those, the the middle years, let's say like 12, 13, 14, until they're leaving the house, this is where you really want to set up opportunity that you are more of a, of a friend person. They have a mentor you're keeping safe, but you want to give them more freedom because you want them practicing that freedom while they're still in your home. You want to be the safe place. So when they make mistakes, when they're not sure what to do, and if you like, as a parent, if, if they won't talk with you, if they're not willing to, to communicate, those are going to be, you know, a struggle through those years. And so And then now where they're at 19, 21, 26, now I am their friend. I will, I am here to offer advice, but I want that, like, come to me. I'm here to help. I'm keeping an ear out. We call and check in. I talk to them almost daily. Um, I hear, we have a family text. And so there's lots of communication, but I reserve, um, so I, if they want um, advice, I'll share it, but I want them, they're going to use those skills that they learned and that I watched them do. And I really trust them because they had so much, they did so much in those teen years. They've, they traveled, um, Josh and Sam flew through China to Nepal and climbed to Everest base camp. And Jacob has climbed the Tetons and they've been to Guatemala and Africa and Israel. They've done really hard things. And so I trust them now in this new stage because I've watched them in action. I'm not worried about them going out and they'll, they will fail. So you asked, is it okay for them to fail? Yes, they will fail. They're going to mess up, but this is the time to do that. This is the time for them to learn that. And then, because still in these ages, like I'm still there, I, I can still back them up. Yeah. That's kind of how we develop that. Yeah, that's great. Love that. Yeah. So if someone were to come to you and say, okay, what are, so our boys are um, 11, 15, and 16. So someone, when, you know, we got preteen, we got teens, what are some, like, if I'm looking for some actionable things that I can be doing right now, that would be, you would say would be really key to fostering relationships that you currently have with your uh, adult boys, what would you say some of those things could be? So one of the things that we did um, that each of the boys, I, I personally as a mom did with, um, with them was around the age, somewhere between 11 and 13, each of them went on a, on a trip with me, like just he and I went together. 
And they all, we ended up, they all ended up going to Washington, DC is how it turned out in hindsight. So if I, so I'm, this is what we did, but I'll tell you what I would change about it. Um, and so the first trip was the best trip because it was my first time to Washington, DC. Jacob was, I think 12 probably. Um, and I hadn't done a lot of like going with him. It was my first time riding a subway. It was the first time like navigating a bus system. There was a lot of firsts for me. And what, what this, um, this trip did is it made me very vulnerable. I needed, he saw me like afraid. I don't know if I can do this. Like, let's go figure this out together. And so we figured out where do we go? How do we buy tickets? What's our plan? What's our schedule? We're lost. Where do we go? Like all of those things. And so, but like we were both together in this new situation, figuring it out. And it was a really powerful experience because he and I um, just have some really incredible memories from that time. And I did it again with with Josh and again with Sam, but it looked different and we went back to the same place. So I wasn't as vulnerable. I wasn't as open. And so if I was to do it again, I would choose new places that I hadn't been and new things that would make me feel kind of out of control so that he could okay. figure out how do we do this together. Oh, I really like that. I did notice something on your Instagram stories uh, pretty recently. You guys were traveling and Betsy was with you. And you had her navigate y'all through the airport. You were there for help, but you had her get you to your gate, where you needed to be, what to do with luggage and all that. So I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. It's like those, it's Putting those small things that, that turn out to be the big, big things. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, it's, uh, Stephen M. R. Covey just came out with a new book called Trust and Inspire. And he, and he, and he kind of tells, he tells the story that Stephen Covey had, you know, told in his books for years, the green and clean story, but he kind of tells it from his perspective and, and it's the same story, same outcome, but, but it's, it's fun to hear a grown, you know, child who went through this and a dad trying to teach good principles and, and a son not, you know, basically the story is, is that his dad said, Hey, I, I could use some help with the lawn. And, who would be willing to volunteer. And he was a seven-year-old kid at the time. And he said, now here's the thing. You're, 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 uh, you're, if you sign up for this, um, you're in charge. You, and, and the key is that it needs to be green and it needs to be clean. So, so do you see our neighbor's lawn over here and it's green? He's like, yeah, it's, what does that look like? It's green. Okay. He's like, look at our yard. And he's like, oh, it's yellow. You know, he's like, okay. And then he's like, uh, and then do you see our neighbor's yard? It's clean, right? He's like, look at our yard. There's like trash floating around and all this stuff. He's like, okay, so green and clean, right? That's the goal. And he's like, now you're responsible for that, but I'm here to support you. So if I'm available, if you ask me and I'm available, then I will help you make green and clean work if you don't know how to make something green or clean uh, and then they did like a you know pick up half the yard kind of say oh do you see how this is clean this is not da, da, da. and then you know help them mow the lawn well then he said okay and then the plan is every seven days we'll kind of look at it and we'll talk about it and so you know of course the son was out playing and i don't want to ruin the story and i'll encourage anybody else to go pick up the book and kind of hear the rest of the story but the, the point was the son learned the dad in the moment when he wasn't then fulfilling with that he he 
the dad, you know, Stephen Covey, instead of stepping in and going, all right, uh, you're not doing your job. I'm just going to take this over and get back in control, or I'm going to make shame you in front of your friends. You didn't do what you said. Um, you know, all strategies I've tried and, and very ineffectively, <laughs> but, um, but, but, you know, he, he said, Hey, uh, you know, are you still committed to this? Yeah. Okay. Well, can we talk about it? Yeah. And then I'm, I, I said, I'm here to help. Oh, you are. And he learned that he was the boss, right? He was responsible and dad would help, but he's, you know, he's, and then he said after that, never had a, never had to ask him anymore. And so, um, I think it's, it's there, it is, we don't realize how little things are so powerful in the long run for teaching our kids that they are empowered. They are capable. They are that life will feel sometimes difficult, but they uh, have the ability to still function in, in, yeah. the, in that difficulty. And, and for you to demonstrate that on a trip like that, I think I, I think there's moments we didn't do that very effectively, but I think there was times where we saw some of that in our traveling around the country in our RV yeah. where our kids saw us like, we don't know how to navigate the New York subway no, especially system. Especially like when you went out of town Yeah, and yeah. I would go and the kids would see me like get flustered and like, because part of the, travel we had your big truck yeah i i hated parking that thing <laughs> and there were some times where we got to where we were going and i could not find a parking place and i was like oh, well let's just like reschedule this and we'll go find something else to do <laughs> <laughs> or like here tyler navigate while i'm driving and help me figure out where we're going and where i should park and which which is which is good because it shows that, hey, mom and dad aren't perfect we don't we don't have anything figured out it's okay if you don't have everything figured out yeah yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. And you can figure it out. Everything yeah. is figure outable, yeah. right? That's yeah. the that phrase. Like they watch you and you don't know, but you can figure it out. Yeah. And not knowing that's actually a good thing. Now you're gonna now you're going to learn something. Yeah. And if you think about it, our role as parents, if you if you think about what is it that you want them to know most, what and this became very important to us as we were raising our kids is we kept an eye on what was the most important things when we would sit down and take inventory and we still do this with Betsy, but the idea is we wanted a, a mentor relationship. I talk about having an outside mentor relationship, but you still as a, as a parent are their mentor. And so knowing them and what they need and what is most important and so we would every six months would do these fresh inventories where we would, we started them, we did them individually. I did them, Jake did them, right? The child's name up at the top. And the first time I did this, so uh, it was for Jacob. He's 11 years old. I was taught this by, um, I was at a conference and Oliver DeMille was teaching this, this principle. And I wrote Jacob's name at the top started with a prayer. And the goal was to write everything I knew about him, his strengths, his weaknesses, what he wanted, where, what his goals were, what I wanted for him to just get everything out, brainstorm and get everything out. And I sat down to start writing this and I realized like how much I didn't know about what he wanted to do, where, like what was next for him. And we continued those and have continued those um, inventories regularly that, so from that, so we, we brainstorm and once, so then, because I didn't know I had to go back and say, Jacob, tell me, like, let's talk. I need more information from you. And, uh, so gathering all of that. And then what we did is we took that 
this list. And then I would write and I would next make the curriculum. And the curriculum was what do I need to do in the next six months to help this child get where he needs to be? What are the things that he needs from me? So it wasn't what Jacob needed to do. What was I going to do in the next six months to help him? And this is where, and in this time, it's this, it is a beautiful time when you are intentional about your child and you are looking for answers for that child, they come like you, you can't keep them from coming. That blank paper just fills up. And this is where, um, I was like, Oh, Jacob, I need to find out about swim team. We've been th- talking about that. Oh, I need to have a date night. Like at least once a month, I need to be connecting. This is, we need to plan that trip. We need this. And you start writing those things out and this becomes, and then we would review it weekly. So one of the things that we did with our schedule was we would get out the schedule and we would put the most important things in first. And it took me a while to understand that because at, at first I'm writing my schedule. I'm like, all right, when are the doctor's appointments? When do I have to work? When's my training? What's your schedule? What's, and you put all those, when's your classes and you put all those things in and then you say, okay, we'll fill in. And instead we would say, okay, these are the most important things. We need to schedule these things in first and we'll put everything else around it. And being very intentional in that space with each child. And when we were doing these, we would bring them in. They knew we were doing these and the, the light on a 12 year old's face. Now, when we would share these, I wouldn't share my concerns. Like, Oh, I'm so worried about this, or these are your weaknesses or any of that. But I would share the thoughts that I would have and the vision I had for them. And these are the things, and this is what we're going to do these next six months. This is, this is what I'm going to do. And for them to feel, and I mean, this started, I remember Josh was probably first grade when we started doing these, he's 21. Now he would come into the little office where we were at and he would sit in this chair that had armchairs and he was so excited. We called it family executive council and he would come and it was just Jake and I and him, and he would just sit and he'd be so excited to have his turn to talk with us about where he was going, how good his week was, what we were going to do that week. And so we just, that gave us an insight to them. They knew that we were focused on them as an individual. Who are they? Where are they going? What do they need from us? And when they see that kind of connection, they they start to learn trust. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah, I think that's amazing. You know, it's shown up for me is, I think that, I mean, being being a parent is is not, I, I think the weight of hope and expectation and and excitement and possibility that comes with this little creature that grows into a you know toddler and then a and then a teenager and then an adult i I mean i think that there's so much possibility in all that right and i and i think that sometimes the the sheer nature of what that is can feel overwhelming and then all the things that are required to provide for them and to 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 provide you know emotionally and whatnot but it's funny how simple taking time every week um i mean i watch you know the other day molly was just listening to our son 16 year old tyler talk about his latest interest which is poker you know and with no judgment and no concern for you're going to risk your life and end up gambling your life away. Like 
just okay this is important to you and and so I'll, well, he'll, pro- he'll probably win money someday and he's pretty good at it right now yeah <laughs> so uh but but it's like the i think it's um so many of us live so much in the future of what our kids are going to be that that we don't create that space and and what to me is i guess showing up is just like with what you're saying and we haven't done exactly those same things i i, I think it'd be good conversation for me and molly to think about like how could we incorporate something a little more structured in that we have a lot of communication with our kids. I feel like we have really open relationships and we have random conversations, but they're not as, as coordinated, but, um, but it's interesting. It takes a little bit of time, but the amount of stress that it relieves when you're, when, when they are going through more difficult things is, is so worth it. If you take the time earlier and sooner, or at least often, if maybe you were behind the eight ball, to, to start to create the, that trust. Uh, it, it allows for so much more to be, in fact, I'm watching one of my friends do this with his daughter where he hasn't really been great at it in the past. And some of the environment he's been on, and that's not just been me, but other people, he's, he's using tools to be better as being a father and he's seeing impact and, and trust show up and, and trust in his daughter's self, you know, her and herself. And so, um, yeah. Why, why do you think what, why do we default to the command and control the, the, you know, so why I say we, why is it so natural for most of us as humans to go to that other place rather than investing in these things that could make it easier? What do you think? Because it's, because it's safe because we think we, well, this is what I think. I think the default is in, and I believe that this is a natural law, that this happens in individuals. It happens in families, communities, like, and it, and it goes up, but the default is to, to focus on, um, security, safety versus freedom that we want. Like if we give them freedom, there's a lot of risk with freedom. Like if you have freedom, like terrible things can happen. And so I don't want to give you freedom because if I control you, I can make sure that you are safe. I can make sure that you are okay. And I know better. You would think, see, here's the beautiful thing about being 48 years old with a 19 year old. I don't know any better. Like I'm here just really to help him um, because he's the steward over his life. And so, but when they're young and we're, there's a lot of fear about if I do this wrong. And so I look out and I say, well, that's what they're doing. So that's what everybody's, that's how it's done. That's what we need to do. So you create an environment to, um, that will keep it structured and safe versus allowing the freedom, but freedom it's in that space that we are allowed to grow. It's where we become our true selves. It's where you've mentioned this a few times about like the lack of judgment, being in a space where you have freedom to be you without that judgment, without somebody's expectations of, uh, you can't do that. That scares me. If you are, um, a musician, how are you going to provide yourself? You can't musicians don't make any money. What are you going to do as a musician? If you are this, how can you, and recognizing at the core of it. And this is each of us. I, I believe this is inherent to, to parenthood. Your child is a genius, like created 
for genius, like did as a genius for a mission, for a purpose. There's a reason they are here and their strengths and their talents. If, if allowed to step into those, they will change the world. They will live up to they, what they need from, at least for in our family, what they need is a place where they can become the person that they are here to be step into the genius. And we all define it differently. Like what is success? What is, what, where are you? And doing the mentoring to find the work of um, like, what is Tyler's genius? Who is he? And right now he's just figuring that out. He's just playing in a lot of different places and seeing what happens and what shows up and how that feels and where, and the beauty is watching that. And when you allow that and you don't step in in fear and you say, okay, let's see where this goes. And I had this experience actually with Betsy and I've been wondering if the principle is the same with her Mm -hmm. because she has with autism, they get very focused. Mm -hmm. So she's, she, she finds something and she dials in on it. And right now the, um, Sonic and tails, this, that show she's hype. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog. Yep. She's hyper-focused on the character tails loves him, like uses a tails voice, sings songs, writes stories. She's, she's very hyper-focused and she's 12 years old. And I was watching her today. And in my mind, I'm thinking, where are we going with this thing? <laughs> like yeah. uh, what, what's, what, how is this okay? And, and I asked her, um, I was like, uh, we were, we were talking about it. I said, so do you think that there's going to be other things in your life that you, and she's like, Nope, I think it's just going to be tails. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I've spent some time thinking about this particular, um, th- subject with Betsy. And then what I remembered is that at this age with every one of my children, I have felt like we were out of control. We were failing. I was screwing up in the m- biggest way. And there were, how are we going to get through this? And there's so much, it's so messy in the middle. It's so messy in the middle. And that mi- those middle ages are when, and when I say middle, think middle school, mm-hmm. like those are really the, in my choice. opinion, putting, putting, putting a kid into a, into a school with a bunch of other kids who are all going through that thing. That is in my opinion, like just a recipe for disaster such a hard thing, and right? yeah. you, you can hardly like figure it out. And so you're feeling all of this anxiety and all of this stress. And I'm looking at Betsy and I was, she's, we're going, this is number four and I'm looking at her and I'm feeling the same worries the same. Is she going to be okay? Have I done enough? What do I need to do? How do I help her? like, is this comic book thing going to live forever? Are we, you know, these questions, I had the same questions with the boys and what I learned to do was trust them. They are pulled towards greatness that that's in our DNA growth, that, that divinity within to, to become, they want to. And as we facilitate that, they move towards that and, um, trying to, trying to put it into a box and, and make them be what you think you cannot do as good of a job as they can. If you get, if you let them, they will do an amazing job. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. I think one of the things that, that I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, what I do it like, so we have, you know, we have a, Tyler who, who played a lot of video games when he was younger, but, in, but not near as much as our second one, Benny. And he plays a lot of video games. Um, and, and I've kind of taken the mo- motive, I, you know, I, I, um, get why some parents don't love video games, but I also don't know if my son is like in today's day and age, you never know what your kid's going to make money doing like with YouTube and all the different things and ways that people make money. Like, I don't know. How am I supposed to know my son's not the next, you know, great, you know, uh, ninja or whatever guy that plays video games and makes money doing that. And so, um, what, what I've tried to do in, in, in areas where I have those concerns, which, which on, on the flip side, I'm also aware that like not very many people do that, but not very many people have accomplished some of the things that I've accomplished, you know, or, or you've accomplished or Molly's accomplished. You know, there's very few mothers that can handle homeschooling. Like that, that's not everybody's cup of tea or everybody's thing that they can do. So, so how is it that I can, um, teach them principles while allowing them to explore the thing that is of their interest. And so with Benny, like I've said, Hey, look, I'm totally gay. If you like playing video games and, and, and he is really like, he's, he, even compared to Tyler, he's actually in the higher classes of like the games he plays. He, he moves up very quickly. He has great hand eye coordination. I've noticed these things about him. Like he's got a potential there. Is it a big one? I don't know, you know, whatever. But so I've said, but let's do some other things where we can expand this, this, this interest and give yourself exposure to other skills and talents that you may have. And so I, it's been cool to watch him do that. Like we built the computer he plays on together uh, and he, t- he takes clips of his video games and taught himself how to edit and put them together and started it. Started a YouTube channel. channel right. And he, so he learns how to, he actually knows how to do premiere editing at 13 years old, better than, you know, even a lot of adults even know how to edit a video. So to me, that's a skill set that, that he could use as an adult to make money. If, if at some point, you know, he couldn't turn video games into him, even though he has made a hundred bucks on Twitch, you know, streaming his stuff. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I think if we get creative enough, um, when they have an interest to, uh, support the interest and, and sort of invite them into considerations beyond of, of how that interest could have value to the world or, also be okay that maybe this is just something that's interesting to you and, yeah. and doesn't really serve yeah. anyone. I think as parents, sometimes we're, we're quick to look for the negative and then shut, shut it down. Cause we're afraid. Like we see it, we take note of the negative and then we say, okay, well that's going to, that's going to be the, how it ends up. And so we don't want that. And so no more video. Okay. <laughs> well, and I think one of the, what a, a piece you bring into that is responsibility. There's, there's something, there's something that happened with our family from the, from the very beginning, we talked a lot about education, a lot about, and he's at the age. So he's 15, he's maybe 15. Um, you know, they start feeling, and this is one of those things that this transition happens. They start feeling the weight of responsibility. They start, there's that, the quote, the, um, the weight of a father or no, the, what is it? No, I've lost it. I'll, I'll come back to it. The reality of a father is a weight few sons can bear. And it's that they're looking at the world. They're looking at Matt and like, okay, how am I going to provide for my family? What am I going to do? How do I do that? And even if they're not verbalizing that, that's certainly happening in their mind. And one of the things we did 
from the very beginning, we, we did it in education. Um, and I, I think it's part of the reason why we learned, I learned to trust and they learned to trust is whose responsibility is their education? Whose responsibility is them being able to take care of themselves and, and their future? And from the very beginning, um, they knew that it was their responsibility. They are as educated as they want to be. They are as successful as they want to be. Um, when we did, um, like our church has an early morning scripture study, and it was not my responsibility to get out of bed and wake them up to be there. That's their responsibility. It's, yeah. and so when you start going through and, and there's, we have per, like boundaries and requirements and things that you have to do as a, as a youth, there's think ways that we worked all those in, but, um, the, when they understand that I, I'm not here to, to bail them out. I'm not here to do this with them. This is like, this is yours. And I love Matt, what you said about like, he's playing video games. Awesome. What, what's the next step to that? Can you teach people to do this? Can you, can you be a mentor? Can you, you're bringing in all these different pieces of how do you make it beyond because the, I think the disservice we would do to our children is giving them a device and just walking away and yeah. saying, yeah, just like, okay, spend just, all the time on. Yeah. Right. And without goals, without, okay, so you're doing this, let's set some goals. What goals do you have with this? Where, what's the pinnacle? What's, and so Matt, as you're saying, you know, I don't know if he'll do something he knows, like, is that his dream? He wants to reach. How do you do that? What? mentors are out there. What connections does he need to have? And is that, is that what you want to do? Like having those kind of conversations at 15 years old, they, they're really, he's very self-aware. Yeah. yeah. And I've met your boys, your boys are amazing. Yeah. And you have those conversations. Awesome. Is, is this where we're going? Is this what we're doing? Okay. If not, if you're thinking there's other stuff, maybe we should expand those other things too. What else could we be doing? And um, it's, it's the powers and the questions yeah. that you ask your kids to help them. I, there's so much power and ownership and then owning their education, owning their ideas and where they want to go. I'm, I mean, I can feel a shift in, in Benny, yeah, just lately. like when Tyler was around his age or maybe even a little bit earlier than Ben, there's a shift in their energy and I don't know how to explain it. Like well, even like the other day with Ro we were talking, I was talking about Elon oh, Musk's robots. new robot and, and, and he was like, but like, everybody's just going to be lazy if there's robots. And so we, so we talked about a world with robots, like with robots where, where you do not have to fold your own laundry or make your own food anymore, which is going to be a reality in 10 years. And, and it sounds like they're going to make these robots for 20 to $50,000. So, I mean, you're going to be able to finance for two, $300 a month. The ability to have all that stuff done. No, Molly has boycotted that in our family, but I'm kind of as long as I'm alive. There's another. <laughs> <laughs> but but and so we we went through. It was really fun. We spent like an hour. Yeah, like you guys talking spent a lot about, of time like, talking. Okay, so what are different ways that you could bring value to this world, even when there's robots? We talked about like a security scanner, like some so someone could scan the robot and make sure there's no malware that could make the robot attack you. You know, you could have a a. a well, I don't want to share this idea because I think it's a really freaking good idea. There's a really good business idea 
of like uh well our podcast isn't that big so i'll, I'll share um but like a, of like a uber of robots like so what and he's like yeah but that would cost a lot of money i was like okay but let's say we took a million dollars and we did the math and let's say you could you could have someone have a robot in their house for a, a whole day for three hundred dollars and they would do all the cleaning all that okay so let's say you had 50 robots what would it cost and then how much would that generate and i showed him how that would basically create you know a million dollars in robots would create four million dollars in revenue and like he's like oh wow and and then we were talking about well well then well all the restaurants because they work at uh, jimmy john's and so he's like well and so I helped him understand that people don't just come to Jimmy John and we were talking, it was really cool. He was actually kind of expanding this. They don't just come to Jimmy John's to buy the sandwich. They're also buying the convenience and the experience. So you could put robots in there, but if the robots aren't providing an emotional connection, they may not be able to get the whole experience, right? And so we were talking about all these different things. And then he started connecting his own world of being at Jimmy John's and how he's providing that, like he is the asset value there for that business. And it was super cool. He's like, oh, and he's reading The Go-Giver, which is a, a project he's on right now, and he's writing a PowerPoint. And he's like, oh, I see what he means now about how when you give more in value to someone, even though the company makes money, they actually get more than what they would spend. And anyways, it was just really fun to, it's fun to have those conversations with your kids as they're starting to feel that weight of, how am I going to navigate this whole well, thing? Well, today when we were playing poker, Benny asked, how much does like an apartment cost a month? Oh, good. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of variables that go into it, right? What, what's the economy like and what city you're living in and the housing prices and stuff. And so yeah. it, it is, it's interesting. If you tune in to your kids, you can see, start seeing those subtle shifts and it's, it's really fun and kind of scary because you know, you don't want to, you don't want to screw up too. <laughs> That's where the vacuum is so important. I, I am a strong believer in creating like open space. When, when we move through life from just one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, there's no place for that, where you can hear those whisperings and feel the nudges and, um, explore those conversations. I, at one point, if I had been listening to this, I would have said, where do you have time to have to be playing poker and having this conversation <laughs> with your kids? Like, where is that coming from? But we, we fill every minute. We just, you get up and you do. And, um, so for me personally, it's one of the reasons why I'm such a proponent of homeschool Yeah, and it, it, it facil facilitates a lot of this because it's a lifestyle and it incorporates so many facets to life. Um, yeah. And I, and I empathize for, you know, both either, you know, families that have two parents working or even a, a dad, you know, I, I'm lucky to be a man who's able to be at my home a lot. I do work outside of the house occasionally, but, but I'm, I'm around a lot. And so I'm able to have moments where, Oh, we have time to have an hour conversation while I'm making some lunch to talk about this thing or move something around a little bit to finish that project in the middle of the night and spend this time with my son or whatever. So to, to me, I, I'm empathetic to those parents who are so exhausted and, and have spent so much time working and, 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 and they're exhausted and their kids are exhausted at the same time to make the space for these things. So on Sunday, we were just talking about witnessing. So mm -hmm. we talked about what does, when you're witnessing something, what does that really mean? 
and um, we touched on like being present when you, and like what you're saying, when you can slow down and just sit and witness what's going on, that's when you can pick up. And it's hard when you're busy and you're tired. And if you have little kids and, um, but I mean, I have to mentally tell myself, Molly, like slow down, like, what are you feeling stressed about or what needs to get done? And what's really the most like important when you were talking about filling up your calendar, like we're quick to fill it up with all the busy things that we really just want to check, check, check off the list. So we well, don't have to worry about them. Well, I don't want to throw anybody's beliefs under the bus, but there is kind of this saying out there that idleness is, or, uh, and I, I, I don't know the work of the devil or something like uh, wherever, when you're idle, then the devil's going to sneak into your life. And I think that that's created a culture um, in some ways where, where we're like, you got a hustle. Well, even I, and, and I don't, th- this is a lovely family and they they raise great kids. And, and in fact, I, their kids are wonderful. So obviously they're doing a lot right. Right. But it was interesting. She said, she's like, I told my son, like, nope, we're, we are a two sport family. Like every kid has to play two sports. Like we're, we are not, it was, and it was almost this sort of fear. Like, what if we just sat, like if it, they've got to be busy because otherwise they're going to be getting into trouble. So, so why is it that, what, what is, what is kind of the balance in that for your, in your perspective? With well, and kids? how would you like define busyness? Cause I, I think you can interpret it, right? Like th- there is like, well, physical, your kids are very adventurous. Like they are doing a busyness, lot. But yeah. then there's like not being idle, but creating the space for your, for you to go and do the things that are really interesting. So how, how have you cultivated that in your own home with your children? Because your boys have done some amazing things, Amy. Like, you guys have definitely marched to the tune of your own beat. And it's so fascinating and really, really cool. Yeah. So, how, so how does everybody else replicate that? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I'm, I don't know how they replicate it. But there's a few. There's one of the things when I was talking about that inventory that we did. The first thing that became very clear to me was first that our children were so different that they, they were going to, I needed to treat them individual and as an individual. The second thing is that academics were nowhere near the top of my list. Like whether or not they knew chemistry, it actually never made the grade, whether or not they knew chemistry or not. Sam knows chemistry. Cause that's his, like his brain, like that's what he will use. I don't think chemistry is in Jacob and Sam or Josh's mission, like education to match your mission is something that we talked a lot about. What are, what, what education do you need? Um, and so that's the first thing is when, when you let go of them having to do everything and know everything, and you want them to know what they need to know, you free up a lot of time. If I'm just teaching them something because they have to know something, I'm going to spend a lot of time teaching them stuff they will never use. I love the and education to match your their mission. Yeah. The mission. Because it's really easy to get caught up in, oh my gosh, like my kids need to know, know it all. Right. They, well, they have to because we're going to test them and they have to be at the test. And can they get into college? This question comes up all the time. Can they get into college if they don't have the test scores? And what if they don't? And, and so we have to make sure that we teach them. So that's the first place is if you let go of some of the stuff that you think that they need also, instead of being busy 
all the time, like, okay, we have practice, we have, you know, putting those kind of things, those, um, the boys all did swimming. Like that was a sport that they all had, um, an occasion to do, but we traveled a lot and we moved a lot. And so organized sports were not really an option. And I'm personally very grateful for that because it, they did other things. So backpacking Josh, by the time he was 19 years old, had backpacked at 500 miles and spent a hundred nights out in the wilderness and learning those skills. And so there was a time that we could spend preparing for those, but that weren't just the go, go, go. Mm -hmm. We're preparing for big events. And then they would go out and have this incredible adventure and come back and debrief. And so we had a flow to that. It wasn't constant. So there was quite a bit of just time where we could be. The other thing that I learned as a young mother about this transition age and Betsy's going through it right now. I told you she's obsessed with tails. So she, this time we call transition. She calls it tailsition, just like she calls Tuesday <laughs> tails day. So, so she, she has these little, she has these little, these little quirks, but, um, transition. So when they're transitioning through this, um, from kind of the kid to the young adult, there's this transition period. And this is the time as a parent, you want to be really involved. And when I say involved, I mean, aware, you want to be really aware and available, but also giving them space. This is when they're disorganized. This is when they're distracted and they've, they've got all kinds of just kind of crazy going on in their life. It's really messed up what's happening inside of them. And so during this time, what you will find, if you are aware, they start coming into your bedroom (laughs) about the time you're getting into bed all the time. Yes. Yes. So you're just climbing under the covers until they move out. Literally does not Josh still, when he comes home, we have this big exercise ball that we keep just for Josh. Cause he rolls it over to the end of our bed and he sits it I love at the that. end of the bed and just talks. And we started to recognize. So we started calling this transition and it happens when their day has, they've been going, 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 things get quiet. The energy in the home gets quiet and their thoughts come up. And this is one of the most beautiful, sacred times because they come into the, your, your room with this open heart and they want to share and they will be vulnerable. They will share things. They will talk to you in a way that the rest of the day, you're like, where is that child that I was talking to last night? (laughs) But that, but most people see this and they're like, you've got to go to bed. You've got to get up in the morning. There's things to do. You've got to get to bed. I've got, a, and if you've got kids at all ages and you're like, I've got a baby, I've got to get to bed. I've got to get up in the morning. So we shut that down. And if you shut that down enough, they don't come back. Yeah. And so it's keeping that open and saying, come in and you're exhausted, but this is I, I, this is the the plug I'm going to give for this. This is the time that you have with them where you're going to make connections that will not happen any other time. So you just let them sit on your bed, share the story. They're just going to talk and they're going to talk and they're going to oh talk gosh, and they have yeah. words to say. <laughs> yes. That's and you're so like, true. okay, are we? Yeah. And sometimes inside I'm like, oh my gosh, 
it's like almost midnight. But yeah, those are some of the best conversations I have with my 16 year old. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's just fat. I'd never thought about, it. I'd really appreciate that, how you do that with him. And, and I'll just listen. Yeah. I, sometimes I hardly get a, you know, a few words and it's more just, he's just like, and he'll bounce around and like, yeah, he's like, he's not like the tough teenage football Tyler. He's like my, like a little 10 year old Tyler again. Yeah. What What's just showing up for me is I, I have a really close relation with my mom. I, I have, you know, I, I think we all have usually one parent that we have a little bit of a rub with that we have to kind of process through in our life. Um, I haven't, I haven't had that with my mom. I had that someone with my dad and, and we now have an amazing relationship and work through a lot of really cool things and awarenesses. But my mom, I never, I don't know. I've never really felt that with my mom. I've always just felt just a lot of love for my mom. And my mom used to do this with me. I remember late nights just talking. Well, she'll still. And she still does. Yeah. No, we still do this. Yeah. And every time we get together, Molly's like, come to bed. Like, uh, you know. I'm like, oh, you're on the phone with your mom. Okay. Good yeah. night. <laughs> yes. And so I, I just put that together that that is, that, that I'm proof that the impact of that does deep, create a long lasting trust and, and friendship between. And, and it's funny because sometimes one will already be in, like Tyler was talking to me the other night and Nick came in and Tyler's like, looked at Nick and he was like, you have your turn in a second. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like they just want you. They don't want their siblings in there. They just want you. And, and I do love the fact the homeschooling has provided, like, I'm not worried about what time they go to bed, what time they wake up. Like if they need to wake up early to go do things like our oldest goes to lift with his football players early, um, every morning. And he sets his alarm and he drives himself to school and, and does all that. But that, um, does give us a lot of freedom to not stress about. Yeah. Even Benny, who's that. not nearly as like naturally structured and disciplined. He, he always is up to get, go to work. He always does his own. He doesn't have to wake up as early to do that. He works at 11, but, but he, he still is on track with what he does. It's interesting to see these things come into fruition. Okay. I have to circle back because I'd be remiss and we're, 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 we've taken a lot of your time. But I, I, I already know I want to have her back on because okay. I want to talk about the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law. Okay. So we'll have to talk about relationships. Cause I'm going to have that times three. So, <laughs> so and but now's before... the time to start with that. Exactly. I need to get ahead of the game. Okay. So, so, so what I, the, the part that I just am fat and, and maybe it's just your boys um, and just who they are. And so maybe maybe it's not a, a thing to pursue encouraging or in, in, I don't know. But I just love the adventurous souls that your kids have. I love how many of these adventures that they've gone on. And I feel like we started our kids in this exposure adventures as we traveled around the country. Um, but I think in a lot of families, maybe money feels prohibitive or... Um, uh, other commitments maybe make that difficult. And so I just wanted to hear your thoughts. If someone, you know, and, and I'm, I'm that someone, but maybe others also listening want to help instill in their children uh, that adventurous nature and the capacity to do that, regardless of the financial restrictions possible, you know, all the other excuses that we make to, to bring adventure into a life. 
how, what would you say to them? And, and is that something that's just your boys, do you think? Or, or has there been something in, in the way you've raised them and how you live your family that, that caused some of that? I would say, I think it's, it, it could be both, but I think it's very intentional. We, there's things that we set up that became very important to us and time in nature was one of those things, having experiences outside the house, outside. And the, the one thing that started, and actually it's not available anymore. And it's, it's something that as a family, we have an eye towards kind of replicating and duplicating is there was a outdoor leadership camp that our kids started going through Mm -hmm. from the time that they were about 13 and they went twice a year. They went in the spring and in the fall and at this outdoor leadership camp. So they slept in tents. They did rock climbing, rappelling. They had a lot of, um, they had solo time and journaling and yoga. It was just this whole experience. And we, so they all did that through. So I think maybe 20 times total, like mm-hmm. our kids were going to these. At what age did they start? Weeks. How early were they doing that? Um, about 13. Okay. I think Jacob was 13 the first time he went. Okay. Um, and then, so they were going twice a year and then they, then they became like counselors. They would go back to that. But because of this, because they had this time outdoors and in nature and we kind of have the slogan of do hard things. That's our family, like do hard things. There's a book out there. A couple of twins wrote it that the boys each read at about 12 years old about the power of doing hard things as a youth. And the, there's nothing more challenging than getting out in nature, hiking, like the elements being safe, putting yourself at risk um, navigating risk, risk mitigation. I, my husband, the pilot in the air force risk mitigation is his, like, he's always, how can we do this safely, but how can they do dangerous things safely? That's what, um, uh, Jordan Peterson uses that. How, we want them to do dangerous things safely. And so we were always pushing that ev- envelope with the kids is how can we, you know, when they climbed Everest, Sam, I just, it occurred to me recently that I think he was 14 when he did that. And they were helicoptering people off because of altitude sickness by the time they got up there. And so finding, so, and these are all over when you look for it, when you set your filter to like start looking for it, these outdoor experiences are all over Knowles national outdoor leadership school offers these courses. They have them for high school. Jacob did one outside of high school. Um, and once one of them gets out there and starts to experience like then, um, and we've done them as family backpacking trips and those kind of things. So I would say it's, it's purposeful, it's cultivated. And Sam, I told like he, when he was, he would say, why are we doing hard things? Life is hard enough. There's enough hard. Why, why would I choose to do hard things? Like he, it was not it was not his favorite thing to do. Um, but we would gather it with people that he liked. He would, we would make it as comfortable as possible. So it wasn't like we were just forcing them, but he was out of his comfort zone. He, it wasn't something he was choosing to do. And so finding the opportunities and, and they are out there, they're everywhere. 
And instead of, and I mean, we did have, so Sam's 19 now and through all of their years, Joshua had a very kind of addictive personality. We knew that about him. So we didn't have game consoles like in our house. That was just something. And it's interesting. They just in as a incentive, he just won is a PS five. Does that sound yeah, familiar? PS5. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. so, something that is like hard to get and yeah. very expensive. PS5, yeah, that was this incentive that they got. Okay. And so he wins this, Josh wins this at this summer, like three weeks ago, I don't know, four weeks ago. Uh-huh. And my mother's heart is like, Oh, are you kidding me? Like they're just getting good. Now they're going to have video games and what are they going to do with like, this is my reaction. Jacob, the older who is keeping an eye on everybody. He calls me. He's like, mom, they just spent $500 on games and on this <laughs> and on that. Like he's 26 and he's like, and they're just staying up all late at night playing these things. And, um, I just took a breath. I took a beat. I had to like use the, okay, like they're living their life. And Josh and I had a conversation and he was like, I've, I'm going to put it away. I don't, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I get into it. I can't just set it down. I want to play to the next level. I have a hard time. And he said, it's, I, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. I don't. And he came to that on his own, like, yeah, which is way more powerful I was praying about it for him to do that than for you to yep. step in and be like, mm, yeah, maybe t- think t- about that. That would have. Yeah. Tyler's and Tyler's played both sides where he's been like, he's been like, I'm not going to play video games. It's a waste of my time. I'm never going to do it. And then he's had these conversations with her. He's like, dad, I think I've realized that it's okay for me to like that. That's part of my downtime. Like it's okay for me to play some video games. I just going to keep it in check and I can have fun and maybe play for six hours on one day, but I don't need to play every day till well, two o'clock other, in the morning. The other night he was telling me that sometimes he, he, he's so disciplined that he go, go go so hard that when he does take a break he go 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 so hard taking a break and so he realizes he needs to find a little more balance if, this all flow. came from him i'm just yeah. sitting and listening and so he, he football is his love and i love that for him and i will support him and i will be his biggest cheerleader as long as he's you know that's his thing and but he's done track in the spring for the last 2 years but he just decided on his own to drop track because he realized he's just, he's too busy and he's not being able to pursue the things he's really passionate about, which is writing his novel and learning about poker. Like yeah. that's his fun downtime. And that's actually been a really fun thing to do as a family um, to just fit in like an hour here and an hour there and sit down and because it's a game where you can sit and play, but also talk, talk yeah. and have good conversation Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so it, it is fun when you allow your kids to have the space, they, they really do make some really good choices. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, this has been awesome to hear. I, that, that was, that, that was exactly what that was. That was perfect. My biggest See, uh, organic. Re- you can't... reason for having her on was to understand this whole adventure thing. And now I, I think I have a much better grasp of it and, um, it'll be fun to talk about how we I could to talk to Amy that. forever. Yes, we could. We because I feel like I always learn so much from you, you Amy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to write that down. I'm going to re-listen to this one yes. and take notes. <laughs> yes, for sure. So Amy, um, 
does have a, a she is behind Molly's amazing beautiful hair. Um, so where can people find you on social media and and what are you doing? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Life with Amy Earl, and so I have a lot there, and also lifewithamyearl.com are some places where, where you can find me. And I have a one of the things that I am passionate about is empowering mothers to become strong mothers because strong mothers raise strong children. And today in what is happening in the world, we need the next generation will be the ones that rebuild after this crisis. And we need strong leaders and we need a strong generation that comes up. And so that is my passion is sharing these things in, in homeschool, in leadership, freedom and in mindset and kind of understanding. I have a course right now that you can find it's called mindset matters. Um, strong as a mother, and it's focusing on how, how your brain is working and how you can create a vision so that you can pass that vision to your children. Because I believe one of the really, um, one of the things that mothers do. So fathers, fathers share, um, confidence, their children become more confident because they see their, their dad do the things. And, and this happens to mothers too, but intuitively they're watching their father and, and they have more confidence because their father's kind of instilling that confidence in them and mothers instill vision. We have the hundred, 200 year view. We're not just looking at today. We're not just looking at this year. We're looking down the road and being able to find that vision, cast that vision and share that vision with your children so that they can catch it and see it and know what you're doing. And so that's my, that is my mission. And I've built this course that is mindset matters and how to build that mindset so that you can be a strong mother and pass that on to your children. And you can find that at lifewithamyearl.com. Awesome. I hope everybody goes and takes advantage of that. that That's awesome. That is so great. Um, I, I am excited to uh, spend some more time with you and uh, learn some more about all your other skills. And hopefully you'll come back this way or we'll make it out your way sooner than later so we can hang out again as, as friends. I would love that. So we appreciate the conversation. And Thank you. We hope that you'll uh, get some people to uh, get exposure to this coolness of what you're sharing with the world. And so we hope you... Our listeners have had a good experience here today with Amy Earl that you'll check her out and that you will come back next week because next week we're going to be talking about positive intelligence. So oh, yeah. we're going to talk okay. about positive intelligence and the power that that has in helping you to defeat sabotage, which is a major thing that causes us to resort to control. So, all right. That's it for today. So subscribe and come back. And Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. This has been the Out of Control Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, guys.